Let's just pray and we'll jump into the word. Lord, thank you for a heavenly perspective. Thank you that you want us to see things from your perspective. And you invite us to do that. And Lord, I pray you'd help me today deliver this word you put on my heart in a, in a way that honors you and honors your word. And I pray that you would stir us up in our faith. Stir us up in our in our desire to please you. Stir us up in our commitment to you. Stir us up in our willingness to lay our lives down for you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're such an example to us. And uh, Lord, we just yield our hearts and our minds to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was looking over there, and I think I can see Andy Slosharenko over there. Welcome home. Nice to see you. And uh, welcome back from your travels on a boat somewhere around the world. You'll have to let us know what you've been doing uh, one of these days. Okay, so uh, talking about heaven, I was just thinking about uh, this, that heaven is found throughout the scriptures. We can find things about heaven. Uh, uh, Moses talks about heaven in Deuteronomy. David talks about heaven in the Psalms. Isaiah talks about heaven's, heaven in the prophets. Jesus talks about heaven in the Gospels. Titus, in the pastoral letters, he talks about heaven. John, he talks about heaven in his book, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. When they talk about it, they do something. They're inviting us to imagine heaven, to get a Get our eyes on heaven. Get a perspective of heaven. And in doing so, I believe uh, it will give us a perspective from heaven. Heaven, when they talk about it, is a very real place, right? It's not just a, a spiritual place. It's a real place. What do you imagine when you think of heaven? What do you see when you close your eyes and, and imagine your best, what is it that you see heaven is like? Will you be floating in the clouds as a spirit? Will you have a new body? Huh? Maybe you imagine yourself with all the right shapes or all the right muscles. You know, the right height. Maybe the right hair color or all those kinds of things. Maybe you... Uh, imagine yourself in new clothes, heavenly clothes. You imagine your home in heaven filled with laughter. Maybe you're imagining the food of heaven. Maybe you're imagining the laughter, the uh, friends in heaven, the music, the worship, the, the worship and the honor of God. You know, we will all know Jesus personally in heaven. Isn't that going to be amazing? What do you imagine when you imagine heaven? You know, I sometimes was afraid that we were going to be in church all the time in heaven. You know, that we're all, always going to be sitting in rows, looking at the back of the person's head in front. So aren't you glad that that's not what heaven is like all the time? One of the fantastic thoughts of heaven is that heaven isn't just about a future home, it's about God finding a way to live among us right now. 
And Pastor Kenny brought a great word of encouragement last week about the presence of God with us. And he wants us to encounter heaven through his Holy Spirit right now. When we're in the presence of God, everything comes into perspective. Our challenges come into perspective. Our decisions come into perspective. When you start thinking about heaven and, and a heavenly perspective, the decision that you have to make uh, comes into pers- perspective. Our priorities, what will we prioritize, can come into perspective. What we desire and we're going to live for can come into perspective. You know, when David was in a time of crisis, he penned these words in Psalm 16. He said, keep me, O God, for I am safe in you. You will show me the way of life. Being with you is to be full of joy. In your right hand, some translations say, in your presence, there is happiness or joy forevermore. You know, that's, that's what David experienced. In God's presence, he encountered there was joy in God's presence. It brought up new perspective to him. This shift in focus that I want to talk to you about for a few minutes today is shifting our focus from our problems to our powerful God. Huh? Can you get your eyes off your problem? When we were in worship today, I had this vision of a book, and maybe this would speak to somebody here. I felt like so, that someone was like, uh, like the book had been closed. Someone, it was like someone had just made a decision, and you, it was like a, it was like a finality. You were like, just, you know, I'm just gonna, it's just gonna be. This is the what the rest of my life is gonna be. And I felt like you had closed the book and sat on it. And I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to give you a message that he wants you to get up off the book. Because he's going to open the book and Jesus has a redemptive chapter to write in your story. Your life is going to change if you'd get up, if you would have faith, if you would have a heavenly perspective. God left heaven not for you to be sitting on your book. Not to be sitting on the rest of your life thinking, my problem is the what I'm going to have to put up with. He wants you to get your eyes on our powerful God. Our bondage, we can get our eyes off our bondage to our eyes on our bondage breaker. Huh? Get our eyes on our, off our bondage and on our bondage breaker. From uncertainty and confusion to our great shepherd. You know, Jesus is our great shepherd, and he can lead you through the challenges that you're facing, the problems that you're facing, the things you're throwing your hands up and saying, I don't know what to do. From our turmoil to our rock. Isn't that awesome that God is our rock? To the mountain that's blocking your path, to the one who can throw mountains into the sea. What is in front of you that's holding you back from your future? Jesus has the power and the ability to send that thing scurrying out of your life and redeem it for good. Your perspective can paralyze you. Your perspective can divide us. 
And we hear lots of that nowadays, don't we? People want to share their perspective. <laughs> and it can cause division, can it? And it can cause you to sink into discouragement and depression. Or your per perspective can lift you up. It can encourage you and it can empower you for a new future. John said this about getting a new heavenly perspective in the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. He said, the word became flesh. And in the scripture, we know that that word is capitalized word. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. You see, John had received a new perspective. What he had experienced was the word as just the knowledge of God. What would please God. <laughs> you know, what God wanted from me. That's how, that's how people saw the word. The, the, the leading of the word. And all of a sudden, his perspective changed because the word moved from just about wisdom and knowledge to becoming alive. Because God left heaven and he gave us his presence. Right? The word went from just knowledge and wisdom to the very presence of God living with us. He saw God was making the first step to come and be with, not just to invite us to live like him so we can earn our way to be in heaven, but he had stepped down from heaven so that he could help us encounter a new perspective. And John received that. God wanted to be with us even more than we wanted to be with him. That's God's heart. You know, you might have been singing. I was singing. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Oh, this morning, eh? Come and fill this place. Fill the atmosphere. You know, Jesus wants to be here even more than you want him here. He wants to be in your life even more than you might be praying. Be in my life. He wants to engage. He wants to give a revelation to you today of his desire to be with you. All of the attraction of heaven. All the benefits of God's presence. And it was still God. You know? We think about heaven. We, we hear about heaven in the Bible. And we think, oh, that's where I want to be. I want to be with you, Lord. I want to be in your presence. I want to be where things are perfect. I want to enjoy the joy of heaven. All that kind of stuff. But it's really God that wants to be with us even more. He wants to be with you. He's desiring to be with you even more than you want him. John's new perspective took him from living a selfish life just for himself, for his own business, for his own, uh, his own uh, uh, um, agenda, his own priorities, to one of laying his life down and living for Jesus. A life where his joy was limited to his circumstances, 
a life where he just had to make his best, make the best of whatever was handed to him, to living in the very presence of God. You know, Jesus invites his church to have a new perspective. He invites you and I to have a new perspective, that we are created to live in the very presence of God. Jesus taught in the disciples' prayer in Matthew chapter 6, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wants his kingdom to be something that you encounter and experience in your life today. Jesus desired us to be people who live in the reality of God's presence and reflect heaven to this world. The people of Prince George should be wondering about you. They should be wondering about Gateway Church. Why is Gateway Church so happy? Why are those people? What is they so what are they so urgently excited about? Why are they singing? Why are they smiling all the time? Why are they so generous? Why are they so kind? Why do they go out of their way to make way for people? Why are there so many young people at that church? I don't understand. I thought church was for old people. Why are there young people that are pursuing God? And what is that all about? Uh, why? 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 What's going on? Why is this business person at Gateway? Why are they so honest? Why are they so generous in their dealings? Why do they always keep their word? I don't get it. What is going on? Why is my neighbor always smiling all the time? Why are they offering to shovel the snow off my driveway? Why are they helping me all the time and loaning me stuff? Why? What, are, what is going on with those people at Gateway? <laughs> Our city should be wondering what is going on. They should be having a taste of the presence of God, of the reality of heaven. Jesus said, let's pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. First Peter uh, talked about the difference between people who live in uh, God's presence and those who don't. He said it should be the difference between night and day. He said, but you are not like that. You're a chosen people, your royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Isn't that awesome? I'm talking about wonderful. Wonderful light. Wonderful light. You're a bearer of wonderful light. The result of being chosen and possessed by the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, is that we would reflect the goodness of God to others. You know, positional truth leads us into a practical reality. And I know that's a mouthful. But the Apostle Paul used this time and time again in his writings. He told us positionally who we were as believers. We were talking about this the other night in our Bible school class about abiding in Jesus. How do we abide in Jesus? Well, we give our lives to him. <laughs> we, we ask him to save us. That's how we abide in him. And that's a positional truth. 
that you can't do anything in your life to earn an abiding relationship with Jesus other than to trust him, to forgive you, and to save you from your sin, to rescue you from your depravity. He did that to me, and he wants to do that for you. He wants to bring you into a new life. But that's our positional reality. Our practical reality is he wants us to learn to walk with him, to live in him, to practice being in his presence, to get our life from him. And every day we can learn and grow in that. Positional truth leads us to practical reality. Peter told the people, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. That's pretty good, isn't it? That he would be talking to you like that. You're kings and queens. You're princes and princesses. You're amazing. You're a holy nation. Well, that's positional truth. In Jesus, that's who you are. In practical reality, there's a little more work that has to be done. We have to partner with the Holy Spirit to grow into being that. We are God's own possession. There's, there's our faith involved, and there's our Willingness to step out in faith. Faith in Jesus and are willing to step out in faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul told us that we have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. <laughs> that's where you're seated. That's what Paul said. You're seated. That's positional truth. You belong right by Jesus. You're, you, he's given you a place right beside him. Isn't that awesome? And that gives you permission to live in his presence. Positional truth becomes practical reality. It means your life, your home, our church will reflect the very presence of God that we have. What does Jesus have in mind? Or what is his perspective for his presence? I want to just take a couple of minutes today. And we're going to just, I'm going to do this in five minutes. We're going to read these scriptures from Ephesians chapter 4. Because I think we've actually got enough here today. But I want to read these words from the scriptures. Starting in Ephesians 4. I think they'll be up on, there they are. Notice that it says, he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who will ascend higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. We'll just stop right there. What is Jesus' desire? His desire is that he would take all the limits off his presence. What does he want to fill? The entire universe with himself. He wants his presence to invade everything. He wants his glory to be everywhere. He wants his goodness to be known in every nook and cranny, as my mom would say. Every, whatever a nook and cranny is, it's every little space, every hidden place, every place that's full of darkness, every lost space, every place that's hopeless. He wants to bring new life. He wants to bring new hope. He wants to bring new joy. He wants to take 
uh, people that are lost and bring them into to foundness. He wants to bring people that are discouraged into being encouraged. He wants to change the perspective of the entire. He didn't leave anything out. Did you notice that? Everything. There is no, there's no wiggle room. There's no wiggle. Wow, you don't really know. This is a, I know this person, and it's a hard. I got this situation at work, and it's terrible, and I got this. And I, I want you to say, Jesus' desire is that his presence would fill the entire place, every nook, every cranny. Can you imagine with Jesus where he wants to go? Can you imagine what Jesus might ask you to be willing to do to bring his presence there? You know, in Prince George, there's a great ministry called the Sunrise uh, Men's Recovery Home. And right now they're considering closing the doors. Because there's not one single man in Prince George that would say, I will lay down my life. I will make sure the presence of God goes to men who are trying to overcome an addiction. I, th I was praying this week, Lord, is there a man in the Gateway family that would say, I would be willing to give my whole life for that, Jesus. Maybe Jesus is speaking to you. Is Jesus speaking to people and asking them to lay down their lives? He is. He says, daily, take up your cross and follow me. That's what he asks us to do in order to his presence to go to every nook and every cranny. What would you be willing to give? Is it just a dollar? Is it just a prayer? Or would you be willing to lay down your life? That's what Jesus did. Jesus used sacrifice and invitation to take his presence everywhere. That's what he did. He used sacrifice and invitation. Number two. Let's keep reading those scriptures. I know this is kind of a heavy one, but I want the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach what? Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And I was just thinking about unity. That Jesus wants us to grow in capacity for his presence. And one of the goals of that is for unity. And I want us just to catch this. That unity takes effort. It takes sacrifice. It takes invitation for us to function as the body of Jesus it's something we have to fight for. It says that he gave us all those gifts so that we may be built up until we all reach it. 
It's like talking about it like it's a mountain that we got to climb. Huh? And if we can climb that mountain, we're going to get a perspective. And one of the perspectives that Jesus has is that we need to do this together. If we're going to reflect his presence, it can't be just one person's opinion about that or one person's uh, uh, hobby horse about that. It's got to be us pulling together. You know, we're brothers and sisters. And nothing will ever change that. You can't change. You know, you could be mad at your brother. You could be mad at your sister. You could decide to change your name. You could decide to move away. You could decide to disown them. But you know what? You're still brothers and sisters. <laughs> so the way to do it, Paul said, was let's grow in capacity for his presence. Because it will help us as we make the effort to reach to unity. Third one. Uh, is there, let's continue reading that scripture. Uh, uh, until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What is the goal of Jesus? That we would, we would uh, be filled with his presence. We would have the fullness of his presence. Jesus' desire is that our identity would become reality. Our position in him would become our practical reality, be how we live our life. I want to just close with this scripture, Ephesians 5.8. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Right, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to just take some time to pray. I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging you. We've been in difficult days. I, I am 100% with you. It's been a challenge. It's been a challenge. But Jesus' desire is for us together to bring his presence. To bring his presence. We can do it. He's with us. He wants our positional reality to become our practical reality. Let's stand up and let's pray. Lord, we're just opening our hearts to you this morning. Thank you that, that you've created an opportunity for us to encounter heaven right now, right today. And we're just saying, man, on our own, we don't got what it takes. We make a mess of things every time. We look even in the political and all that stuff. And, and we don't want to speak hopelessness over that. But we just see how much we need you, Jesus. That we can look at people to save us, but what we really need is you, Jesus. We need to encounter you in a powerful way. And so we're just opening our hearts to you. And, and, and opening our hearts to one another. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I just want to speak hope to you this morning. If you're discouraged. If you're feeling, uh, if you're feeling like uh, giving up. I just want to speak hope to you. Jesus wants you to encounter his presence even more than you want him in your life.